Thank you, guys. Oh, James and Kyla and Aaron and Paige, you guys are awesome. Britt and I look up to you and just the ministry you guys do and what you do for the city. You guys are really changing this town in amazing ways, so thank you. Guys, this is such a joy for us to be here. Such a joy for you for us to be here, especially on Father's Day. I got my uh, Father's Day socks. Everyone's wearing Father's Day shirts, but I got American flag socks from my daughter wife today, and I'm excited about that, and it's a protest against the U.S. for not making the World Cup. Um, but I also got my daughter's water, so she might be running in here. Yeah, it's up here. Um, man, I just uh, would love just to get, in, get at it with you guys. When Wilson uh, shared at DP a couple weeks ago, he's like, ah, why am I talking first? Let's just get into the Word first. And I feel like we need to, uh, we're going to stand up for a second. We're going to open up to Isaiah 32, and we're going to read it together. Oh, I'll read it, but I want, if you could pull out a Bible, if you have it, you can pull it out on your phone. You could look up here if there's not soccer on. If you're looking at your phone and you're watching the U.S. Open, turn down the volume. It's all right. <laughs> and don't give, get it away. But Isaiah 32, 1 through 5, this is a vision for you guys. It's a vision for dads, it's a vision for uh, coaches in this area, but a vision for you guys. Here we go. See, look guys, look, see this. See a king will reign in righteousness. See it guys, see it first. See a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. We'll rule under him in his ways. They will be like, they will be like, a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm. They will be like streams of water in the desert, and they will be like a shadow of a great rock in a parched land, in a dry place. Then, this is the home run, guys, then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of people that ears, they'll be open to the truth. Everyone has ears, but they'll be open to the truth. The fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. It will be bold. It will be bold. No longer will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel highly respected. They'll know right from wrong. They'll know what's good, and they'll, they'll go for it. The word of the Lord. Yeah. Hey, we did it. Come on. I listened to your sermon last week, and I got it. Come on. Oh, that's the word. I love it. I love it. Oh, Isaiah is a prophet. And prophets are there to speak encouragement, to convict, to comfort God's people when they're in need. That's cute. That's really cute. There we go. Okay. But he is a prophet talking to people that are beaten down right now. They're being ruled over. They're being oppressed. And Isaiah is a mouthpiece for the Lord saying, guys, God's coming. He's going to help you. God's coming. He says, see it. See it first. See this. And I feel like this is a good example. So a lot of my examples are just going to be for dads. So sorry, moms. But here, Jer, stand up for a sec. Jer, in the back. Look at, oh my gosh, you're bigger on TV. Okay. Um, Jer's a starting pitcher for Santa Barbara High, or was, legend, pitcher. And I never played baseball. I was never allowed to. I was a tennis player. Grew up in Northern Virginia, and that's all I got. But, okay, you're a pitcher. Pretend you're pitching me the ball. Okay, so my dad would probably be saying, hey, right, wait, wait, hey, that's not how you pitch a ball. You don't stand like that. Okay, 
So I'm grabbing it. I'm waiting for it. My, oh, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, I, that's what we need. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm not even in the box. Okay. Right. I'm going to get ready. Back. No, wait. Okay. All right, so he's pitching it. Stop. Pause. Oh, you didn't throw it. Okay, I'm just watching his hand. I'm watching his hand, everything about it. He's, how he grips it, how he's, he's getting up if he quick pitches me. But as a batter, all I hear is see the ball first. If I, if I don't see it, I don't hit it. So, Jerry, you pretend you're pitching it. Yeah, oh. oh yard. I just went yard on you. Okay. Thank, thank you, Jerry. You did great. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. But dads, how many times have you said, open your eyes if you want to catch the ball? Like, open your eyes. I throw it to Mackenzie, and she's like, ah. But she's going in the draft this year. She's that good, though. Um, man. I can remember over and over again, see it first. See the ball first, and then you can hit it. Then you can hit the return. And Isaiah is saying this to people. He's saying, you want to see transformation? You want to see a home run? The home run that I'm talking about is in the last, in verse 3, it's just saying, man, eyes are going to be open. Ears are going to be open to the truth. Hearts are going to be changed. Minds going to be changed. It, it talks about this transformation that God brings, a spiritual transformation. And it's core and central to the gospel. So what is Isaiah saying? See, see this. Look, guys, open your eyes to this first. What's he saying that about? It says, see, a king will reign in righteousness. See, a king will reign in righteousness. And in the Old Testament, he's talking about it. He's foreshadowing some kings to come, and he could be talking about Josiah or Hezekiah, but we're New Testament people, and we're looking at that verse, a king reigning in righteousness. Like, that's, that's present tense. He's talking about, we have a God that's reigning right now in right ways. It's talking about Jesus. We just sung about it. We just said, king of our heart. We just, we just said, what's the line right there? We'll, we'll bring it back up at the end, but Jesus is reigning in righteousness right now. And that's sweet. And I hope you guys see this. This gets me so fired up. This gets me so fired up. That is at the center of the gospel. That is at the center of the life-changing truth that Jesus is a king that's reigning right now. Jesus, who came to earth, lived a perfect life, lived a perfect, sinless life, did all the requirements that we couldn't do ourselves. He taught us what it meant to be in Complete communion with the Father, with God, the way that we're supposed to live but cannot do. And then he went to the cross bearing our, our sin and our shame, paying the penalty for us that we could not do. The thing that was keeping us from knowing God completely, the thing that was keeping us from eternity with our, our Lord, what Jesus did on the cross was what made it possible for us to know God in a perfect way. That, that is the gospel. And now, he, when he went to the grave, and rose again, it said that he ascended to heaven, is now reigning on high. That's what he's doing right now. That, that is at the center of the gospel. Jesus is king. And this gets me fired up, too, because when, when I heard that for the first time, I was a 12-year-old, a 12-year-old. So I grew up going to church, but I just, I didn't know it. I didn't, I didn't have my eyes open to it yet, but my parents sent me to a two-week camp up in Pennsylvania. What kind of parent sends their kid to a two-week camp at 12? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, if you're listening to this. Are we live? We're live? Okay. 
Um, but I remember uh, that first night I was at this camp, and I, I just, I was there, was in my sleeping bag, there was a counselor in the middle of, of the cabin, and I remember him sharing his testimony, and I was like, what is this guy doing? He's reading from the Bible a little bit, but he, a line he said, he said, the biggest and best decision I've ever made in my life was to have a relationship with Jesus. The biggest and best decision I've ever made in my life is to have a relationship with Jesus. And when he said that, I was like, what? What? That's, what are you talking about? And something inside me was saying, like, ah, I want that. No, no, I, not that I want it. I need that. And then I, everyone else went to bed, and that night I was just laying in my bed. It's like, no, you, you were made for that. I'm made for that. And so I remember walking over to his bed and, and sh- shaking him and said, hey, buddy, let, let's go talk outside. And he's like, did you pee yourself, Ryan? And I was like, <laughs> that's not what I was going for, but okay. Um, we ended up going outside and talking under the stars that night. And... 12 years old, I didn't know completely what I was asking for, what I was wanting, but I just knew something inside of me was saying, this is what you're made for, a relationship with Jesus. And some of you might be hearing that today, and it could come in a, in a, a butchered way, like I've said it, or you might not know the full like, length of it, but something inside of you is saying, I, I need this. No, I'm, I'm made for this. And that's something that God does. That's the sweetest part. That's the sweetest part of being in the ministry is that it's God's work to change hearts. It's God's work to draw people to him. And so if that's you today, like I don't, I don't know exactly where you're at, but James and Aaron would love to talk to you about that. Saying that this is what a relationship with Jesus looks like. This is what it's all about. You can talk to any FCA leader in this room. They would love to talk to you. You could even take them out right now. I'm sure they'd be happy about that. They would be happy. I would too. But that's why we're here. We're here to to know that the life-changing truth of the gospel is for you. God is for you. He wants to transform your life into what you're made for. I love that. I love that. So that is what the grand vision is. He's saying, see a king reign in righteousness, and then it's our role under it. He says, rulers will rule in justice. They'll rule like we see the king. What happens when we see a king first reign in righteousness? It says everything. Everything changes. That's the sweetest part of seeing a coach that finally gets to see Jesus for who he is because everything changes about their program. Everything changes about their marriage, the way they treat their kids, the way they view what they're doing on the court. That's, that's the sweetest part of what we do in FCA is see coaches just come alive in Christ. That's the sweet thing of seeing Landon on the court coming alive in Christ. So, so what happens? Hmm. This is uh, something that is sweet. I just feel like when it, it uses metaphors throughout the Bible of like, what, what will we be like when we start seeing Christ for who he is? This metaphor that it uses is sweet in, in verse 2. It just says, they will be like a refuge from the storm. They'll be like streams of water in the desert. They will be like a missed it, shelter from the wind, streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock. You know what that reminds me of? Reminds me of Jesus when he called his buddies to him, his disciples to a mountainside. They looked at him and he said, hey, yeah, yeah, you, you, you're salt. And he's like, salt, salt, me? I'm, I'm salt. He's like, yeah, people are going to look to you 
to preserve what's good. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And he looked at another guy. He's like, hey, Phil. Hey, Wilson over there. Hey, yeah, you're going to be the light. You're the light of the world, buddy. You're the light of the world. Because you're following me, people are going to see what you're doing. They're going to see the, the good acts that you're doing. And actually, they're not going to lift you up. They're going to lift my Father in heaven up. They're going to start praising his name. That's, that's the sweetest part. This, this vision that Isaiah is saying is, is foreshadowed that when we start seeing Christ as king, it changes everything. And we'll start having our lives transformed. And then we can see people under, under us have their lives transformed. A lot of times as dads, we're like, oh, why? Why is, this, why is my kid doing this right now? Why, why can't I do it? And it's just feel like the pattern in faith is to look at the one that has the ability to change first, to look at him, look in his ways, follow his ways, and then see how, that, how transformation follows after you. Dads, when you respond to your kids in grace, when you respond to your kids in grace, it doesn't mean not having discipline or, or following or, or being real and stern, but it, it does. When you respond in grace, that changes your kid in mighty ways. Like, be strong in the grace. That's one of my biggest encouragements to you, to myself. I'm speaking to Amir right now. Be strong in the grace with your kids. Guys, so we have the transformation. We have, when we see Christ, our lives get transformed. We're going to be like him in his ways, and then the home run happens. I remember uh, in high school, the best way to say transformation was in high school when I was just a punk kid. I was just this 4'11 kid in ninth grade that had a, I, yeah, I, yeah, you know what a 4'11 kid's like. They just talk a lot, and they're, they're punks. <laughs> but um, I remember the first year that I was playing varsity soccer. And this is a story of me failing and a coach having grace on me. Um, my first year, we had tryouts. The first tryout was five miles in 40 minutes. And we're going to do that right after the service to see who can do that. <laughs> you got it. I got my socks, so I'm ready. Um, but five miles in 40 minutes. And that first day, I show up to tryouts, and I was injured from the weekend game. And the coach saw that happen, so he knew it. And he said, okay, you can help me tally up the laps. So there's 20 laps that a kid, kids had to do. And this is my first year on varsity, and there were senior players that were just hard-nosed guys that I was trying to impress. And I was talking to them before, and they're like, oh, we're nervous about this run. You need to, you need to add extra laps to us. You need, you need to help me get through this. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And so we get to the laps. I tally extra laps for them. They finish. I'm like, oh, okay, good. That's, that's done. And the next week, we're, right, we're at practice. I'm back on the field with the guys, and I remember doing our warm-up lap, and I'm running with the team, and all of a sudden, I can hear, Warner. I'm like, oh, no. I run over to my intimidating coach, and remember him just saying, okay, so you see that group of players that are warming up right now, and then you see that guy that's like 40 yards behind, you know, not making the warm-up lap, smoking a cigarette over there. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, how did he make the laps? How did he do it? Like, oh, dang. I was just gearing up inside of like, oh, he's going to unload on me. He is going to unload on me. There's no, dang it, I'm done. 
done. My dreams of college soccer are done. But he just looked at me like, you're better than that. You're better than that. You know, if you do this in the business world, you're fired right away. You'll end up in jail if you do this. Learn your lesson now. Learn your lesson now that this is something that's not you. It's not you completely. So he responded to me in grace and had a teachable moment for me when I was in just just a bad, dumb spot. It sounds a lot like our Father in Heaven that has mercy on us when we, have no, we don't deserve it at all. When we messed up, God responds with grace, saying, I love you. You're better than that. You're better than that. You're, I know you, and I love you. Man, I think the best story I can uh, share is actually not my story. I just feel like Zacchaeus shares this story so well. And we're going to look at Zacchaeus' story of what, what is God like? If we're going to see a king reign in righteousness first. We're going to see that first. Like, what does that even mean? Let's see, it means seeing Christ for who he is. I love the verse in I, uh, Psalm 123. I'm going to read it to you guys. This is what it means. It says, you can close your eyes if you want. I just love hearing it for what it is. This is what seeing the king first is. I lift my eyes to you, who sits on the throne of heaven. As the eyes of a servant looks to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female servant looks to the hands of her mistress, so our eyes look to you, Lord our God, till he shows us mercy. Oh, I love that. I love that, guys, how it, it just says, like, our eyes are fixated on that. And I know that that's can sound vague a little bit, of like, oh, just fix our eyes on Jesus. No, but truly... Look, look at him. Look, look at the Gospels. Look at how he goes through life. And, and look how he is the, our example. Follow in his ways. Now, I'll get to Zacchaeus here right now because I love it. This is the summer of Zach for me. So if you read through Zacchaeus, just call him Zach. But this is how the story goes. It's in Luke 19 if you wanted to check it out. Zacchaeus, uh, we're going to start with this. Jesus is walking through to go to Jerusalem. He's on his way, actually, to, to the end of his life. And it says he's passing through Jericho. Guys, this is good. This, it gets good. Trust me. He's passing through Jericho. He just actually healed a blind man. It's pretty amazing. Someone that was yelling out on the side of the road said, Son of David! Son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, that's just seeing Jesus for who he is right there, saying, you're the rightful heir to the throne. You're king. You're the coming king. Have mercy on me. And Jesus healed him. It was amazing and miraculous. But as he's passing through Jericho, it says there's a man named Zacchaeus there. And it gives three characteristics about it. And I don't know if any of you guys would like to have these characteristics, but they weren't good. I feel bad for Luke just throws this guy under the bus. But he says he is chief tax collector. He is wealthy and he's short. Chief tax collector, wealthy and short, and I, yeah, anyone is like, oh yeah, that was me in college. No. Um, <laughs> chief tax collector, basically what that means is you are not a good person. You, you basically are, steal from your family. You steal from your family and give it to other people. Not Robin Hood in the good way, bad way. And him saying that he is wealthy means he's really good at stealing from his family. He was really good at being bad. That's, that is, this is Zacchaeus to a T. He is not a liked person, and he is the furthest out. He's the guy who's like, that guy, no chance he would have anything to do with Jesus. Him being short, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's just bad. I mean, that's just unfortunate for him. But yeah, yet again, I was 4'11 in high school, let my tongue run. I understand. He probably picked fights and went hid behind soldiers, because that's what I would do. Pick fights and then run behind guys like Jeremy. Um, so Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming down the road. It's pretty sweet. Jesus is walking through town, and there's just people gathering around. It's like this parade going on. It looks nothing like the solstice parade. Please, just know that. It looks nothing like that. There's a parade coming down, and Zacchaeus, something inside of him was like, I, I want to see Jesus. I want this. And so he left the haven of his uh, tax collector booth, and he walks down through the crowd, and I guarantee he's getting elbows and pushed out. People are spitting and saying, no, not this guy. I get to see Jesus, but you don't. You don't have any soldiers to protect you here. And so he's trying to get his way through the crowd, and he's just not making it. But, but he doesn't stop there. Like he, I mean, that would discourage me, but he's like, no, I need this. I need this. So he figures out a way. He's like, oh, Jesus said in that way, I'm going to run up, hops up, climbs up a tree. He's just watching this parade go by. Parade. He's watching a swarm of people gather around Jesus. And then, and then Jesus is walking through town, sees him up there. Oh, okay. Looks up. Says, I pretty, he's pretty high. He's a pretty short guy, right? Yeah. Zacchaeus. Come down from here. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus, come down from here. I must stay at your house. And this, guys, I don't know if you hear this, but this fires me up. This is the gospel in the line right here. This is the gospel in the line. I love this. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has this itty-bitty minuscule faith where he's like, oh, I'm just going to climb up a tree and hide for a little bit. But Jesus is like, no. I know your name. And I don't know if tax collectors had big name tags on or if their jerseys had Zacchaeus, but Jesus knew his name. That's so true about God, isn't it? When we realize that we put a little step towards him, we're like, oh, I'm going to get to know God. God's like, no, I created you, and I know you, and I love you, I care for you. We realize that God knows us intimately more than we're known, better than we know ourselves. That's the sweet part of him saying Zacchaeus there. And then he says, come down from here. I must stay at your house today. That, man, that is big right there. Literally, he needed a place to stay that night. But <laughs> spiritually, that is a big line. Come down. Come down in the best of ways. Come down. Those who... Humble them, if those who exalt themselves will be humbled, those who exalt themselves or humble themselves will be exalted. Zacchaeus, come down. Ryan, come down from there. I want to make my home with you. In Revelations, it talks about there's a great line Jesus who says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you just let me in, I would come in with you and I would dine with you and you with me. Jesus desires to make his home with us. He's strong. That, that is why he came. But he's not going to make his home with us if we're hiding up in the tree. Not, he's not going to make our, his home with us if we think that we're king of our own lives. He's saying, come down. Humble yourself and 
and let me be what I'm supposed to be in your life. Let me be Lord of your life. Let me be king. Come down from there. Have we heard that? I have one of my favorite things. We, my wife and I talk about this. It's just that the hardest thing of coming into Christ is bending our knee. It's just our personal just battle of just saying, no, Lord, you're, you're in charge, not me. And, that, and he says, come down from there. He's saying to each of us. And as the story goes, it keeps going. Says people are angry. They're not happy about this at all. They're saying, that guy? Seriously, you're going out with th- that guy? Oh, we were laughing just a second ago. The creepy motorcycle guy? No, no, sorry. I had to drop it. It was worth it. No, not true. Not true. You're not good. But that guy? Jesus came for the least, the last, the lonely. Us. He came for us. And the sweet part, the transformation, the home run, the thing that we would want us want to see happen. Zacchaeus comes down, welcomes him gladly, and he says, man, I'm going to sell half my possessions. And if I cheated anyone, because I know I cheated you last week, I'm going to give you four times the amount. So you see a transformation that's not just this personal shift in him. This is like a public declaration of like, Lord, I want want your ways. And the sweet part is, the first part of that, he says, look, Lord, I picture Zacchaeus as chief tax collector, not calling a lot of people Lord in his day. I bet people, he's saying, no, you're speaking up to me. But Zacchaeus saying, no, you. Look, Lord. That is so sweet. It's just the gospel, just in a sweet little way to share it. The home run that happens at the very end, Jesus says this. He says, today, today, salvation has come to this guy's house. Because this, too, this guy, too, is part of my family. For I came to seek and save the lost. It is so sweet to see that when we put Jesus on the throne where he's supposed to be, he says, you're part of my family. And that's for each and every one of us. And that can be today for you if you haven't had that, if you haven't made that decision yet. Or if you're feeling it inside, you're feeling the Lord draw you because that's the only way. We realize we make a decision, but really it's the Lord the whole time set us up for it. I invite you, it was the biggest and best decision I've ever made in my life. And I bet you James would say the same. And so I want to pray for you guys, pray for myself, that we would see Jesus for who he is. That would change everything. Change everything. So grab a hand next to you. You're a little team here. Okay. Oh, you're alone. Okay. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God that draws us. And that's, that's one of your promises, that uh, you will draw us to you. And I pray that uh, today, as people heard your word, I pray that your word would last on their hearts. Your, your word would be going through their minds as they drive home and as they lay down on their bed and as they talk to their kids. And that would be the transforming thing in their life. Lord, I pray that you do what you do with, uh, with my friends in here. Uh, you transform their lives and transform mine too. Thank you for all the dads in here. Thank you that you've play, put them in places where they can uh, lead their families in your ways. May that happen. May that be true. In Jesus' name, amen.